Blog Talk Radio. She was shattered because this is the man she thought she was going to spend the rest of her life with. So after she got the phone with him, she was so distraught that I, I, she didn't gather her thoughts enough to ask his father, how are they doing? So she decided to call back, and the mom answered the phone. The mom answered the phone and was completely shocked that her son was quote-unquote dead. And she advised the, the fiancé that, her son was alive and well, and that she doesn't know why he was telling her that he had died. Um, she also discovered, the black to be, also discovered that the venue that was supposed to have been booked was not booked, and that was on the shoulders of the husband-to-be to book the place. He didn't book it because he didn't want to marry her in the first place. Uh, now Tucker's walking around saying he knows that he is a t- terrible, awful person, and he should have told her the truth. He shouldn't have told her that he was dead. Wow. 
Wow. So would you <laughs> No, usually I have a rebuttal for most of the Wigan Report stories, but uh, I have nothing to say to that except, uh, man, if you don't want to marry someone, just just don't do it. I mean, you don't have to. That's a that's a horrible, terrible way to to go out, to jump in front of a bus. That's what you did say, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Move on to the next story. I have I have no comment uh, for that one. Okay. So I guess the next thing I want to tell you about is the Facebook Messenger app. You see it on Facebook. You see statuses. You see people completely upset, and they don't want to download this new Facebook Messenger app. They are myths to this app. And I thought this was quite interesting. I wanted to shed light on this. About 1.3 billion Facebook users are upset and upset that they can no longer receive their Facebook messages on their mobile phone without first downloading that separate application to their phone. But it's not as bad as it seems, so calm down. First of all, you can still get your messages on your computer, first first and foremost. Um, Facebook says by making Messenger a separate app, it can improve the messaging experience by having more room to work within an app dedicated to nothing but communication. The first myth is that the permission to use the app are more invasive than ever before. Reality of the situation is that the app can grab your contact location data and calendar, which sounds pretty horrible, but at that point you then realize that there are other compatible messaging apps that do the same, like Viber, uh, Text Plus, or Line. Uh, the Facebook Messenger app does not grab hold of your phone's microphone secretly to record you. It's only to uh, do the little cool extra stuff like sending voice messages or to uh, make a free phone call through the app. So here are six ways to get more acquainted with your messaging app on Facebook and that, you know, are things that makes it a cool thing to download. Um, first and foremost, it finds your friends easier for you. Um, it widens your contacts, better group chat. Uh, you have more stickers to you, whereas, you know, like little emojis. Um, you have more privacy, and you can also get free phone calls. So it's not as bad as everybody's making it seem. It will make it seem like, oh, it's like the FBI. But, I mean, if you have this other stuff like Uber and all this other stuff where you send messages, you know, it's about the same thing. It's just a whole other app. And if you don't want to download the app, you can get on your PC. Well, I, I think the biggest concern of everyone is um, everybody's afraid of Big Brother, right? So it's like um, – Big Brother's watching me. Look, look, people, you're being watched anyway. Let's just be honest about it. However, I haven't had a problem with the app. In fact, I have never, I haven't downloaded the app, and I've been using my Facebook the same way I've been using it all year. So, I don't really know what all the fuss is. I don't know if Facebook is making everyone mandatorily get it, or is they just they just picked a certain amount of users. But um, being followed is the last thing anybody needs to be worried about. Uh, here in America, because we're we're all being followed. So yeah, go ahead yeah, uh, with the, uh, the mean, next report. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, if you um, have something to next... say, <laughs> rebuttal that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all I was going to say, I mean, just reiterating what I said originally, is that majority of the people who are having an issue with um, the messenger app have like Glide and all this other stuff. I mean, if that's the same thing, so. According to this, it sounds like it's the same thing, so I don't see why it's an issue because Facebook is doing it. But that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um, my next story, um, you know, it's a little bit more serious than the things that I talked about previously. It's about the Mike Brown case um, in Ferguson. And basically, um, Mike Brown's family, along with their attorney, released a statement on this past Friday, August 15th, hours after the police identified the officer responsible for the shooting death of Michael Brown, as, and and then also this followed when they released the surveillance video trying to um, incriminate Mike Brown as a suspect, a suspect in a robbery from earlier on that day. And I just want to read excerpts of the letter. Uh, this is from the lawyer. The lawyer is uh, Benjamin Crump. If you remember Benjamin Crump, he is also Trayvon Martin's family's lawyer. Um, and I believe he had a little involvement with the uh, Jordan Davis case as well. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Michael Brown's family is beyond outraged at the devious way the police chief has chosen to disseminate uh, piecemeal information in a manner intended to assassinate the character of their son following such a brutal assassination of his person in broad daylight. There's nothing based on the facts that have been placed before us that can justify the execution-style murder of their child by this police officer as he held his hands up, which is a universal sign of surrender. The prolonged release of the officer's name and then the subsequent alleged information regarding a robbery is the reason why the family and the local community have such distrust for the local law enforcement agencies. It is no way transparent to release the still photographs alleged to be Michael Brown and refuse to release the photographs of the officer that executed him. The police strategy of attempting to bring the victim will not divert our attention from being focused on the autopsy, ballistic reports, and the trajectory of the bullets that caused Michael's death and will demonstrate to the world this brutal execution of an unarmed teenager. Despite the police naming Brown as a suspect in a robbery shortly before he was shot over the weekend, the Ferguson police chief said on Friday that the officer, Darren Wilson, was not responding to that alleged incident. The initial contact between the officer and Mr. Brown was not related to the robbery. Um, there are conflicting reports on the exact, oh, I'm sorry, there are conflicting reports on exactly what happened before Wilson fatally shot the 18-year-old. But in a news conference on Friday, Ferguson Police Chief Thomas Jackson said the confrontation occurred because Brown and a friend were blocking traffic. So um, wow, this was well, a statement released by the lawyer of the family. Well, you know we're gonna we're gonna dig deeper um, into this into this case tonight because it has a lot to do with the fact of the mistrust between the community and the police and and specifically the black community and law enforcement. And um, I have some clips I'm gonna play for you guys tonight. Um, I got some interesting stuff coming up after the break. And we're going to dip right into Lacey. If you could stick around, you know, give uh, some other perspective on it, that would be great. And we're going to open up the phone okay. lines uh, in, in the second segment. So I want to hear from you guys. Remember, the number to call in and speak is 646-595-2490. Again, that number is 646-595-2490. Call in. Let us hear what you got to say. People are listening. And it's, a t- it's about time that we open up this dialogue and talk about these issues that are affecting us, and we need to become proactive instead of reactive. Uh, what you see going on right now is definitely a big reaction to what took place, but I'm going to outline some things that maybe could help prevent this later in the future. So uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Facing the loss of a loved one can be one of the most trying and difficult parts of your life. And during this difficult time, one of the most important decisions that you have to make is choosing a funeral home. And my recommendation is C.L. Page Mortuary, where their staff is knowledgeable in the funeral home industry and service is their number one priority. For more information on C.L. Page Mortuary, visit www.clpagemortuary.com or call 904-353-4434. I'm Robin. And I'm Chris. We're the brothers behind Firehouse Subs. Back when we were firemen, when it came to food, we said, it better be something good and and a lot lot of it. That's what you get at Firehouse Subs. Take our hook and ladder sub. Smoked turkey breast, Virginia honey ham, and Monterey Jack cheese, all steam heated and piled high on a toasted sub roll. Our way beats their way. If you don't agree, it's free. You're going to cover that, right? My money's on the sub. Love the confidence. Firehouse Sub, founded by firemen. Hey, what's up? It's Catalina from the 97.9 KISS FM afternoon show for Laser Loft. Obviously, this is where you got to go in Jacksonville to get a tattoo lasered off. So, ex-boyfriend's name, ugly flower, this is where you go. Plus, I saw this amazing treatment last week. I watched this woman's under eyes go from dark and puffy to tightened and lightened up in 10 minutes. It was so cool to see it work. And you can get it done for free. All you got to do is stop by Laser Loft, 4372 Southside Boulevard, or give them a call, 642-7774. Medical Director, Dr. Roberto Garcia.
back, and I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in again um, tonight as we talk on a very, very touchy subject. And remember, this part of the show is sponsored by Cuban Mumbo's Cuban Pizzeria and Cafe. Great cafe. You guys go out and check them out on Beach and Hodges. Um, tell them that Robert sent you. And also, we uh, we have some more gift cards to give away, so make sure you guys call in the number 646-595-2490. Remember, it's, it's uh, on Beach and Hodges, Mumbo's Cuban uh, Pizzeria and Cafe. Great, great food. But, uh, Lacey, we're going to go you know, right in and pick up where I left off on on this topic. And if you remember, I believe in one of our earlier shows, I mentioned the fact that as kids coming up, we learned something about the police, and we really can't pinpoint where it came from, and that's run. Um, I told the story, I think, episode three or four of season one when we were talking, and I mentioned how me and my friends were uh, in a park. I couldn't have been no more than, like, I don't know, 10, 11. And, you know, the police swung in there real fast, and everybody took off running. You know, at that point, none of us was guilty of anything. Um, wasn't really old enough to be charged with anything. But there is a mentality uh, for, from my experience, I'll say young black men, when you see the police, it's run. Uh, when you're driving in the car with someone and the police, you know, even if it's nothing wrong with their driver's license or nothing, you know, sit down, don't move. Uh, the police are behind us. <laughs> you know, it's... It's a fear that has been developed in the community, and I'm not sure where it comes from. I know some people are going to say, well, it comes from the 60s on the civil rights movement. Some people are going to say uh, before, before then. I'm not really sure where it comes from, but it is definitely a learned behavior. And what I want us tonight is to have a dialogue. If someone out there knows where this originated from, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. If you disagree, I was talking to a guy today, and believe it or not, there are a lot of people that, with this Ferguson situation that are definitely on the side of the cop, you know, and some people have brought up valid points. Now, somebody may say, now, Robert, what do you mean a valid point? There's never a reason for an unarmed man to be walking down the street and get shot by the police. While you may be telling the absolute truth, let's just be honest and take a take a look back. How many times us, even as black folks, have gone and driven through a rough neighborhood and seen maybe a strange-looking black man that could have potentially been unarmed, and ourselves have judged him and said, hey, he could possibly, he could potentially be dangerous? A lot of us. And it occurred to me that, a lot of us as black people, if our skin was another color, people would call us racist. So another question, is this all about race? Is this a white-black issue? Is it a police versus the community issue? What is it? Now, we do know that we, do, we have cops that just totally makes it bad for a lot of people. And, I'm, and, I, and I would like to say this today. I have a lot of friends that are officers, and... I respect them, and I think the majority of police officers do a phenomenal job doing what they do. But on the other hand, there are some people, I don't know if they was bullied in school, I don't know if they're not the man in the house at home, but they use the uniform to be a bully. So we do know that a small sector of law enforcement are bullies. And just to bring that to light, I want to play, it's a two-minute clip, clip that I want you guys to hear, and, and immediately after this clip is over, I'm going to start taking some phone calls because the lines are already lighting up. But I want you guys to listen and pay close attention to this uh, clip that I'm going to play. And it is basically something that happened, I believe, earlier this year. Um, a, a, a cop setting up an African-American man in his own store. And I want you guys to listen, and then we're going to go uh, to the phone lines. Good evening, Jim. 
The use of undercover informants is a common police technique used to bring charges against suspects not inclined to deal directly with cops. But often, the undercover agent is a shady character facing his own charges. That makes him motivated to give police what they want, whether the suspect has done something wrong or not. Donald Andrews Jr. operates a so-called smoke shop on Mohawk Avenue in Scotia. It sells incense and other smoking paraphernalia, legal stuff, but material that might also be repurposed for other illicit activities. Scotia and Schenectady County police became suspicious and targeted Andrew's shop, sending an undercover informant in twice in March. The second time, Andrew's attorney, Kevin Rebrand, does play-by-play -play that appears to show the informant planting, then photographing crack cocaine that led to Andrew's arrest. Donald turns, he comes in, places the crack on the counter, crack which under federal sentencing guidelines would get him four years in jail. Under New York, New York State law, would get him two to seven years in jail. There are seven cameras in plain view in Andrew's small store. Here's a second clear angle. He walks in, places the crack, places the crack cocaine on the counter. Members of the Schenectady chapter of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference viewed the apparent framing of an African-American businessman and were outraged. It was a setup, and I believe that he, he was racially uh, profiled and targeted, and it would be easy for them to say that he was selling drugs because he was black. Now, neither the Schenectady County Sheriff nor the Scotia Village Police Chief were available to be interviewed about the apparent planting of evidence. By phone, the sheriff acknowledged proper procedures were not followed, but denied his investigators purposely framed the suspect. The sheriff blamed the informant who has taken flight. Andrews was arrested but released when he was able to get police to look at the multiple camera angles. He's taken the first step at filing a lawsuit and was not made available today by his attorney. Bill Lambton, News Channel 13. So basically what you guys just heard was a black man owned a smoke shop, and basically the police set crack cocaine on his, on his camera, on the counter, I mean. Had it not been for his surveillance cameras in the building in the state of New York, this man would have been facing seven years. Seven years. So we do know that there are some shady characters. And keep in mind, my goal here tonight is not to bash cops. It's not to bash uh, rough-looking people that may look suspicious. But it's to, it's to come mm -hmm. to uh, a, a solution. So what I'm going to do is go ahead and take uh, my first caller here. Okay, caller, you're on the air. What's your name and where you from? Hello? Hello, caller, you're on the air. What's your name and where you from? Hi, my name is Bob Hill. I'm calling from Dunwoody, Georgia. How are you? I am well, Robert. Um, I've been listening to the show as well as keeping up with media. And it's funny. You have everyone, all of these African-Americans calling in or just in an outrage and saying that, uh, you know, they feel they're being profiled against. They feel it's just simply not right. But I feel like uh, we as African-American people are just simply not even paying attention to what's going on around us. Uh, they're profiling, quote-unquote, these black men, and they're going down here marching and saying that uh, they're being profiled against and that uh, they uh, look suspicious. Well, you know, Robert, they do look suspicious. These are people who are walking around with their pants sagging, with uh, 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 not not in school and, and different things like that. You never hear about an African-American Harvard graduate getting gunned down. You never hear about an African-American uh, Princeton graduate or someone who's even in a community college getting. These are thugs who are getting shot. And you didn't hear just a few years ago, while they were here in Georgia, we had a big riot where about two years Police were constantly getting shot by these, well, I call them thugs, but you guys will call them innocent black uh, men. And so now they're fearing <laughs> well, their well, lives. Well, hold on, let me, let, let me interject with that. I'm not saying that oh, all 
these guys are innocent. Clearly, if you're shooting at an officer, he has to write to you deadly force. And I'm not really apt to just say that because you're not a Princeton graduate or a Harvard graduate or you look. Basically, what you're saying is these guys are getting shot based on how they look. They look. You look like a rough guy. So, so, so I'm going. I'm going to shoot you. Yeah, and and Robert, if you even pay attention, our President Barack Obama, he's speaking, and then he's going back to Washington and sending the military down there to contact, uh, to continue to shoot these. He gets it. He understands. He's not sitting around protesting with the guys. Why do you think that is? Why do you think certain uh, uh, politicians or certain civil rights leaders, civil rights leaders, aren't doing more? Back in the day, if this was a serious case, you would see so many civil rights leaders down there. They understand that these are people from the ghetto and that these cops are simply defending themselves. And, yes, I contributed to uh, uh, the officers each time because I feel like they are only standing up for us. And when you heard about the officers getting killed, like I said, about two years ago here in Georgia, you didn't see it all until you didn't see it televised. These officers were losing their lives just as well as uh, uh, these young men, both black and white. So you, it is important that we all look at the situation from not only one side, but all around. And let's be fair about it. Understand we uh, sympathize. Uh, they just happen to be uh, African-American. But let's not call it a race. I feel like American, we, we're far beyond the whole racial uh, acts of the 60s and uh, the 50s. We, let, let's let's uh, be serious about this now. Well, let's let's let's, let's, let's also let's let's also be honest. I mean, you have to admit that um, there is still a race problem in America. I mean, well, I'm going to say well, that there are. I think when it, I think I think when it comes to profiling young black men, I think whites and blacks do the same. Now, I think when a white man does it, I think it's a little bit more harsh because of the color of his skin. But I think we still uh, profile the same. However, in this case that you see in Ferguson, uh, Missouri, it happened to be a white, a white police officer, uh, a black young man. Now, it's very, very unfortunate that he lost his life. And we still don't know all the details. I mean, everything is, is sketchy. Everyone is trying to protect themselves, including the police. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get this looks I mean, crazy. You, and you see, you see, Robert, you see so much more black on black crime, and that's not. Let's go protest about that. You know why we don't protest? Because we can't. It makes us look. It makes us look embarrassed. So the minute we get a chance to go on television, say, "Oh, it's racism," everyone shoots, fly off to Missouri, wherever it is, and, and, and are so ready to protest. No. You need to sit home and learn from it. Teach your kids to dress a certain way. Teach your kids to uh, remain, uh, uh, to have some sort of uh, uh, integrity about themselves and not be such a hoodlum, and they won't be getting gunned down by cops who are upstanding citizens just simply fearing their lives. That's what's going on. And I am not willing to hear any other point of view because that is the fact of the matter. Uh, It just boils down to... We as African-American people need to do better, and people are afraid of us, and they are taken back. They are scared, and they are standing up for themselves, and now we have an issue with it. No telling this well, guy could have really tried to charge out this officer. Yeah, I feel it's important that we do our research. Everyone's uh, protesting, but no one but, has waited but, but, for But listen, I've, I've, seen, I've seen big men taken down by tasers. I mean, this guy was shot six times. I uh, believe twice in the head, uh, in, in the arms a few times. Um, some okay. people, I mean, overkill. I don't know. I get it. He was a big guy, six four, three hundred pounds. That's a pretty big guy. I get it. But we have no clue who the cops are. And to get back to the subject at hand, it is the mistrust between police and the community. I just played a clip of the police setting up an African-American man in his own store. And he could have gotten seven years. This, this mistrust, it, it, it comes from somewhere. Why is it that well, when we're driving? But you, you, uh, I, I, it has nothing to do with, with how you're dressed or if you're educated or not. This is an issue that maybe, it's, maybe some of it is race, maybe some of it is profiling. Maybe as a people we need to get together and say, wait a minute, 
if we're if, if whites are profiling us this way and blacks are profiling this way and we want to be honest about it, maybe we should uh, have a stronger stance on our image versus crowding the streets in Ferguson uh, and burning and down uh, gas stations. Yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> no, that's I what know. they decide to do. I, well, that's, 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 that's a minority of people. That, that's that's a, that's a minority of people. So we can't say that everyone in Ferguson are hoodlums and everyone in Ferguson are, are you know burning burning down the city. I mean, let's let's just be uh, be honest about it. But hey, man, th- thank you for your call. Um, thank you. Call call you know stay plugged into the show and definitely let your people down there in uh, Dunwoody, Georgia, tell them to tune into the Real Talk of Robert Simmons show. I sure will. Thank you, Robert. All right. So. Uh, Miss um, Wigan, what, what, what do you think about that guy? <laughs> it was it was quite interesting. Um, I've been taking notes because I have a lot to say. <laughs> uh, well, first off, well, first off, I do want to address where he was talking about um, you don't see riots about black on black crime. Um, main reason why you don't see it, honestly, is that black on black crime happens on a daily basis in the black community. Okay, and if something is common, it's not abnormal enough to place in the media attention. Okay, and not all black-on-black crime is crime-affiliated, but a lot of it does have to do with crime. This is a situation where it was an unarmed teenager who held his hands up, and I like what you said when you said that it was overkill. It seriously was. If he was unarmed and you were afraid that he was charging at you, shoot him in the leg. Make him fall. Okay? Don't fatally shoot him twice in the head. And that's where there's an issue. That's where the outrage lies. Because if if he was seriously charging at you, officers know how to shoot and where to shoot someone for them to fall on the ground. Because you, you ultimately need that suspect, quote, unquote, for questioning. You're not going to kill the source. And he killed him. Why? I don't know. He didn't have a gun, so I don't understand why he did not try and shoot him in a way where if he felt like he was charging at him or ran away, where it would make him stop. That's one thing. Uh, another thing, when he brought up the civil rights leaders, you don't really see civil rights these days when you have Facebook and all the stuff that can rally people together. Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton were people who rallied the folks together. You don't need that right now. Um, not saying that they're not necessary, but we are more connected than ever. So you don't have well, just, to. But just to put a side note, um, Jesse Jackson uh, got booed when he went there for whatever reason, but continue. <laughs> and Al Sharpton was. Well, you know, also, I, I can also say this too. I, and I didn't want to say this, but since she brought that up, a lot of the civil rights leaders are not taken as serious as they used to because they they had started jumping out and jumping on everything. Al Sharpton came out and spoke out for Michael Jackson because Michael Jackson didn't sell uh, three million albums or something when he had that uh, album. I forgot what the album was called, but it had You Rock My World on there. And Michael Jackson claimed that Sony Music was being racist. So Al Sharpton did a press conference for Michael Jackson because he only went platinum once and didn't go triple platinum. So you pick your battles on that basis, people aren't going to respect you to rally behind you. And then also, um, as far as just being, it is racial profiling at police officers, but you feel more protected in certain areas because the police presence is not as aggressive. Um, we talked about before that I stay on a pretty decent side of town. When you see the police in my area, they smile at you. They're not aggressive. They're willing to help you. You stop. You you know, you, your tire is flat. They'll stop and help you. But if I was somewhere off Moncrief, they might give me the third degree before they decide to help me change my tire. So it is also the area in which you're in where you get to get well, which, the which, which, from the which I, I, I totally, I, I totally agree with you. And I think, I think as a black man, at some point, um, we all have experienced some type of, of I'm not, I don't even know to say profiling, just a short story, and then we're going to go uh, to, the, to the phone lines. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was on the north side uh, a few few years ago, and um, a cop just, you know, came up to my window. I mean, just flashed, just looking, just flashing a light, and, you know, I just 
I told him, man, can I help you? He told me no and kept moving on. <laughs> now, now, would that have happened in the Mandarin? We don't know. But we're going to uh, go to our next caller. Okay, Carla, uh, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you from? Oh, Chantel, oh, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you from? Chantel, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Chantel? I'm great. How are you today, Lacey? Fine. That's good to hear. I was calling to comment because I do see it both ways, how we do manage to see people in the street and we lock our doors quickly or we say, oh, that person looks dangerous. But at the same time, we, I personally do it for white people too. If a white man's coming up, he has cuts on his arms or his head is scant, oh, my door's locking. And it's not to deal with race, but it is, a, you know, to look at danger. However, right. for him to say that we are above race issues in America, I have to disagree. For the simple fact is, A, it was overkill. B, you have people coming out, they want to use the N-word, they want to do racial slurs, and they're saying that only the hood-looking people are doing rallies. That's not true. People are speaking out because they are angry. And these people have the right to be angry because these are people who do go to college. I mean, the first picture was Howard University with their hands up. So you're going to tell me that all those people in that picture were thugs or that they walk in the street and they don't speak any kind of way, they use racial slurs, they talk, you know, they don't have a intelligence about them. No, exactly. That's not true. So in the same, we're not above a race issue. I mean, look how, many, look how the boy shot up in the movie theater. And all they could say was, oh, he was mentally disturbed. Not one officer thought to pull out their gun and shoot him down. I mean, he shot up a whole movie theater single-handedly. A movie theater. And this boy who has no gun and with his hands up is a threat? I mean, come on. So, so, so you're, you're saying, let's, let's, let's re-picture re that story, the movie theater. Had it been a group of black men wearing hoodies came in and sat down, do you believe everybody would have got uncomfortable? Some people may have, but I've been sitting in a movie theater where a, a group of black men have come up in there, they're laughing, they're playing their kids. And I've sat right there. And the reason why is not because, oh, you, you know, you do look leery of them. You say, okay, wait a minute, what are, you know, what are they going to do? But you have a sense of, you, you know what's a threat. Like your body, we have third senses where we can know when we're not in a good area. Just like if you pulled up to a party, you know if something is going to go down, you're going to leave. You know, something about you doesn't feel right. You know as a person, you know, something about this doesn't feel right. Let me just be careful. I don't, you know, I feel the same way. If one, one Spanish person could come up there and they look dangerous versus six blacks, I'm going to sit on the side with the six blacks because, I, let's, you know. Let's, 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 let's just say the, the police officer, quote, unquote, with the overkill, let's say he was afraid. I mean, after all, this guy is 6'4", 300 pounds. Mm -hmm. If he did indeed, if he did indeed charge him, and he shot his probably uh, 45, that's usually the standard issue for a police officer, six times, and we, we, we say it, it's overkill, uh, at, at, at what point can we, we could use, he could use that same thing. Well, hey, you know, it, it was a heat of the moment. I'm glad this you said that, Robert. This guy was coming at me. I mean, yeah, yep. you guys want to say he's unarmed, but the drillogen, everything was rushing. You know, if yep. I put a gun in your hand, Chantel, and a guy – our big woman is rushing at you in the street. What are you going to do? Now, big woman, Robert, that's a different story. I can handle it. But I'm <laughs> but, but the, no, no, it's, it's, but the, it's I'm glad the you same story. This guy was six four, three hundred pounds. Yeah, I have a, I'm glad you brought that up because I have a friend whose dad is a retired officer. In the force, oh, up to years, and has never shot his gun. I mean, he's taking bigger guys down with him. He's done, I mean, he's, He's retired, has plenty of awards, and has never once shot his gun. Now, it doesn't make him any better. You know, sometimes you do have to use your gun. I'm not saying you wouldn't, but why hasn't he, who has been in the same predicament as the other officers, has come? I mean, he deals with cold case murders where the suspect is still there, the suspect is still armed, and why has he not yet shot his gun? Because you are trained as a police officer to be able to handle these situations. You are able to, this person is charging at you armed, you are able to know to kick them in the chest, kick them in the arm. You can take this person down because this is what the training you have been 
this, well, that, that's, that's, what, that's what the there. training should be. And let's, let's be honest, some of these small towns don't have the same uh, standard as, let's say, for instance, to, to get on the force with JSO, you have to have a college degree or four years military, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of these small towns, you can come right out of high school and join the force. You know, your uncle is uh, the, the chief of police. And you come on, I, I, I was watching um, them deal with the protesters, and one of the things that uh, CNN said was, you know, in the military, they train you not to point your gun at protesters. You don't, you don't, exactly. you don't point your gun exactly. until you're ready to engage. So we see that there is a lack of training with the Ferguson Police Department because everything that they've done in this case concerning this has been wrong. So exactly. while a the guy you're speaking wrong. about, he may have been trained by a well, a great police force or unit, um, we, mess, we can't say that about every law enforcement agency around America. It's, it's, it's just like That's a college, true. you know. However, however, as a police officer, there is some sort of training that they, I'm not saying it's maybe not up to par, but there is some sort of training because I guarantee I'm not going to say I guarantee, but I'm quite sure had this been some same guy, a white player, he would have they would have fought. He would have took him down, shot him in the leg, took him out, and next thing you know, we'll hear, oh, he has family issues, his mother was on crack. And it's just for me to see lately, and I've opened my eyes to it. You know, you there are times, yes, black-on-black crime, yes, that does exist. And as Lacey said, this happens because, oh, somebody owes me $50. They come to get that one person and they're gone. They're not coming for a whole movie theater of people because Joe owes him $50. No, I, Joe's in here, he's paying money for a movie theater, he owes me $50, come here. But at the same time, like you said, Robert, this man here, clearly, all these people, all these, you know, it's a race issue. It is a race issue. There are people who are speaking out saying, oh, the reason why the president is not getting involved, he's sick of you, and things like that. And these are coming from white people. But these same white people who didn't want to vote for President Barack Obama, might I add. But now you're on his, like, you're now trying to back him. It doesn't make sense because it has now become a race issue. America is not above the race issue 100%, and we need to do better. We as people okay, need to well, do better. And go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no. no I was, was going to say, the, the guy, he's right. Thank you for your call. I thought you were wrapping it up. <laughs> no, no. But, uh, yeah, well, well, yeah. Thank you, thank you for, your, for your call, uh, Chantel. And let, let, me, let me just say this. Um, in addition to it uh, being a race issue, you know, I think one, like the topic, you know, one of the biggest things is, the fear factor, the fear factor between um, the minor, minorities and, and the police, you know, it's, it's, it's through the charts. It's, it's through the charts. We're going to go uh, to our, our next caller. Uh, go ahead, caller. You're on the air. What's your name, man? Where are you from? Hello, Robert. This is Sally. Hey, how, how are, are you? you? I'm good. How are you doing, I'm Sally? just calling because I want to make a comment on the Ferguson case. Mm-hmm. And I want to speak for people who are outside of the African-American race. And I listened to the caller earlier, and I just want people to understand that it's not, it's not all white people. We understand and we sympathize with you guys. You know, I mean, my great-grandfather, he was in the Ku Klux Klan, but I'm not in the Ku Klux Klan, and I don't teach my boys. To be in the Ku Klux Klan either So what I want everybody to understand Is that it's not just African Americans It's Caucasian people too It's Caucasian people up in Ferguson Right now rallying alongside Of the African Americans And I just want to be a voice for those Who aren't African Americans And tell you all that we understand your, your plight well, look, And we do support you in this cause Let me me interject, because this is something that has been laying heavy on my heart, and I may lose some callers after I make this statement, but this is how I feel. I have a lot of white friends, and unless you grew up in in the, what we call the hood, I don't under, I can understand you, like you said, um, relating, no, not even relating, sympathizing, but a lot of people that are not black or do not come from a rough neighborhood, they say, "Well, you know, I understand, I sympathize with you." It's like, no, you don't. You don't. You don't. You really well, don't know how it feels to be profiled. 
and I appreciate the support. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I think we should all come together. I think we should throw race in the, in the trash can, but the truth is it, it exists. And you're not going to tell me if we take a poll, the number of whites and blacks that have been, that feels very uncomfortable when it comes to police, the, the, the numbers are, are way off balance. And I'm so not I saying appreciate it's not, you. Robert. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's not. What I'm saying is that it's not just African Americans who feel a certain type of way about what's happened to, you know, the boys. We understand what's happening. And I want to point out that it also happened to police brutality also happened in, in other races as well. You know, it's not just African American race, although I do understand that it seems to be a, a lot more in the African-American race, you know, but it's not everybody, it's not all people that's not African-American. As much as I understand, I'm not, you know, I understand that I don't know what it's like to raise African-American boys and have them have this fear, but it's, it's just I want everybody to understand that it's, we support you guys in, in this cause, and we think it's wrong <laughs> also. Well, look, I, I I I truly truly thank you for your But before I let you go, I, I gotta I have to ask you uh, this 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 question. You know, as a white woman, and when we're talking, well, see, the Robert, fear I factor, never said I was white. Now you making an assumption. I never said I was well, white. I said I was. Well, you, you said I sympathize with you people. I mean, all I can say, all I can that sounds like something else to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, maybe maybe well, I'm wrong. But, 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 you're, but you're limiting it to just white. It's other races in the world besides African American and just white. Yeah, but now let me I ask you this. Do you, believe that, do you believe that a black man's life is valued less than a, any other race? For instance, yes, people are up in arms about, you know, this case here in Ferguson, Trayvon Martin, Jordan Davis, the shooting in New York, the the, 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 the guy being choked in New York by the police officer. And then they said, well, what about the black-on-black -black crime? Well, that's, it's the same thing. Black lives, young black men, their lives, it's not valued the same. So, yes, we're not going to – you don't see people marching day and night because of black-on-black -black violence. Yes, you can see a black man get shot in the street, and people get outraged because it is a race issue, but at the same time, that life is not as valuable in the eyes of a lot of people. I mean, that's, that's, that's all and I have I to say agree. on that. I agree. I agree with you. I feel that the African-American male's life has never been valued the same as everybody else's. I, agree. I would agree with you, Robert. I'm not going to say I disagree, but I, I want you to know that there are people who support you all in this fight. It's not just you all. So just understand that that there are others who support you. And yes, to answer your question, I do I do agree with you on that matter. And I'm just gonna let you go now, but I just wanted to say All right, thank thank you, thank you, thank you very much for uh for, for your call. I mean, i got to admit, we have some pretty, pretty interesting calls. Anytime it comes to race and things like that, I, I think it is, is very uh, interesting because it is a, it's a touchy subject because we as blacks and whites have to continue to share this country together. You know, we have to learn how to value a black man's life, in my opinion. Right. And I think that yeah. is an issue. But that is isn't even about race. We as black people have to value other black lives as much. 90% right. of, of murders in the black community are done by other black people, and nobody is saying anything about it because our lives are not valued the same. When a police pulls out his gun and shoot you dead in the street. Or for that instance, anybody. You take the Trayvon Martin case. You take the Jordan Davis case. Gun down, unarmed, black men, lives not valued the same. And someone will come and say, yes, it is. And I have to tell them, you, shut up. You don't, know what, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no clue what you're talking about if you're going to say that these lives are valued the same. I would have to call you a fool, and I'm sorry. And I'm not one to pull the race card at all, at all. But this is an issue. This is a serious issue, black and whites, and I think blacks are as guilty as whites when it comes to profiling. That's my story, and I'm sticking yeah. to it.
<laughs> that is my story, and I'm sticking to it. This is an epidemic that has been drawn on by both. We both have to take responsibility, whites as well as blacks, have to take responsibility, come to a solution, open up some dialogue, and talk about valuing the life of a black man. That is the reason that there is so much fear in the community versus the police, because you want to know what? What's the first thing your parents teach you as a black man living in the hood? Make sure you stay out of trouble. Don't, don't, don't do this. You don't want them to set you up. You don't. <laughs> I used to go in the store. I used to get mad at my mom when we go in the store. Don't touch nothing because, you know, young black boy, they'll set, set you up. Like, man. You oh, know? Man. Come on. Oh, I I'm, never I mean, with that kind of. But then again, like I said, I guess it's it's the area of the country that you're brought up in. What do I know? But I do know this. Missouri, Florida, California, New York, they're all in different corners of this great country of the USA. But there's one thing that they have in common, and there's one thing that we all know black people fear the police, and I believe that is because our lives are not valued. I am watching CNN right now, and these people have armored trucks rolling into Ferguson as we speak on Anderson 360. As we, and I, I get there are a few looters here and there, and the police have to quote-unquote protect themselves. But let me tell you, people, we have a serious problem in this country. We have a serious issue that we need to deal with. And that is going to happen when both sides come together, whites, blacks, Hispanics, whatever. When we come together and have an open dialogue and open our minds, that's the only way that I see this changing at all. Now, I'm going to calm down. Yeah. Um, you need some blood pressure medicine now? <laughs> well, well, we, I mean, you, you know, um, you know, this stuff here, you know, no, it, it really topic. is uh, close to home, you know. Yeah, I mean, no, and, and, and it's different when when you when you when you when you're when you're living it. But we're gonna go uh, back back to the phone lines. Maybe I'll calm down. Hopefully, this call won't get me hot. So, <laughs> okay, color, you on the air? What's your name and where you from? Hello, this is. Hello, you on the air? What's your name? Where you from? Can you hear me? I can hear you. You're on the air. This is truth. I'm calling hey, from Jacksonville. I'm fine. And I just want to say, I, the whole thing is just, is just terribly sad. It's, it's really, really sad to me um, because black men are very, very strong men, even though some of them don't seem to portray that. But this is the reason why we have a lot of brutality from so-called uh, Caucasians and maybe some other races as well. We were strong since they brought us across the water. So in order to weaken our black man, they sat around the round table many, many moons ago, and they created laws and, and, and all kinds of foolishness. And as the man, you know, was set free, what have you, and went to school and became educated, then they want to keep them out of the workforces. They would rather put a woman up to the top because they're fear of that strong black man. And now they want to try to kill the babies. They're trying to kill the babies. But you know what? Prayer changes everything. If we pray, God will heal the land. And that's what I got to say about the whole situation. Prayer is the key. That's the answer to it all. And have a good night. Well, thank you very much uh, for your call. You have a good night. And you know, thank you. Guys, like, you know, I, I have to, I have to be honest. You know, this you it's it's not as touching or passionate, I guess, until it happens in your life. It happens close to home, or you or you you've lived it. You know, so with the other caller, I do appreciate everyone's support, everyone's concern, no matter your your color. 
But you have to understand when you when you look at CNN and you look at what's going on in Ferguson, you have to open your mind up and say, you know, let me let me think about this from a broader perspective, because maybe I really don't understand. Yes, this is a a, a, a impoverished-ran area in Ferguson. Yes, it is the hood. So you're looking and you're saying, oh, man, look at these people. I was uh, reading an article and one guy was like, why don't they go back into their houses and collect food stamps and, and, and welfare? You know. <laughs> and, and, and I was pretty outraged because, you know, the insensitivity of it. And he was just ludicrous because he had no clue, no connection with the community. And sometimes I don't believe that people of another race, I don't think they're racist a lot of times. I think they just don't understand what, the lifestyle in these communities. And it's isolated. It's, it's, yeah. it's, they're, they're isolated from everyone else. So the truth is this is all they know. So I'm going to tell other black folks that you have a job to do. So my black brothers and sisters that have moved out to the suburbs, including myself, you know, we're behind our gates and things like that, and we watch these other communities on the news. You know, these are these are our people. You know, that is my cousin. Right. That is my brother. That is my auntie. Them over there. Well, that's why I got out of the hood. Well, let me tell you something. You black educated people, let's go back. I'm not saying move back in the hood, but let's do more. Because, yeah, we, we have people, you know, calling in and saying this and that, but the problem still remains in the hood. Yeah, we can get up and leave, yeah. but what's, what's going on? Yeah, I feel safe in my neighborhood. I have like six officer friends that stay right here on my street. But, but what about Murrah Avenue? What about Moncrief? What about you know, 8th Street? You know, what, 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 what about these areas? A part of that is our neglect. We have neglected a lot of parties, these areas, and I call council people, the future council people, uh, to do more. Because let's be real, more can be done. More can be done. They haven't done enough. And, and yeah, I said it. A lot, a lot of the, in, in certain districts, even here locally, our council people have not done enough. It's too much going on. That should that can be corrected in this community if we come together as a people. So with with that being said, uh, Ms. Wiggum, you you know say, say something. I have to sit down. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I see you, you you have your you know your passion about it, and that is that's true. You definitely are passionate about it. And there's something that all African Americans, no matter where you are, whether you're first generation out of the hood or or whatnot, or you never even live in the hood, your family never is not it was not from the hood. It's still our people being portrayed on TV. Now, one thing that I do want to point out is that we oh, I've never been to Ferguson. Most of America's never been to Ferguson, and we have not never been to Ferguson. Never heard of Ferguson. <laughs> but I never heard of Ferguson. The only right. thing or the only image of Ferguson we get is what we see on TV. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're not going to show the peaceful protesters because that's not newsworthy. It's more entertaining for us to see people blowing up gas stations, Stealing, looting, doing all this stuff. So the trust and believe the percentage of people who are really doing that stuff does not outweigh the amount of people who are actually peacefully protesting uh, the activities that are going on in Ferguson. That's one thing, and that also leads back to the black on black crime. Like I said at the beginning mm-hmm. of my segment, and I won't change it, is that black on black crime is not displayed on TV because it is not newsworthy. A black cop shooting a black a white cop shooting a black kid is, or vice versa. That's new. Okay. Hey, we got and we got thirty seconds left. You know, you know, I don't mean to cut you off. We got oh, thirty seconds I'm sorry, left. I didn't so, uh, was <laughs> yeah, we go. I'm, I'm gonna wrap it up. But people, uh, when y'all on Facebook posting twerking twerk videos and all that, just remember, like, post, post something positive. Let's let's start posting something positive um, for some unity around here. You know, we everybody's ranting and, and beefing on social media. Screw all that crap. Let's open up some dialogue and get this thing going. Because our people, your people, our children, your children, they are dying. They're dying, and they're dying in the streets. And we need to be proactive to prevent this 
from happening again. And we need to do we need to do more to prevent the fear factor because not only are we afraid, the police are afraid too, and they're shooting. I'm out, y'all. We we out, we out of time. Y'all tune in next week, eight o'clock. Real talk, Robert Sims. Thank y'all for the show tonight. Be blessed. Robert